Well, good morning. We are so glad that you have joined us for our worship service this morning. We uh, pray that you've had a wonderful week and that you are ready to worship the Lord as we kick off a new week on this Sunday morning. Uh, we want to thank our choir for the songs that has been sang and and today we want to enter into God's word. As we look today, we're going to follow up last week's message with the third point of Peter's sermon. As we're here in chapter two in the book of Acts, we want to look at the second or the third point of the message. As if we remember uh, Peter's sermon here that we find in in chapter two, beginning with verse fourteen, uh, going through verse forty. What we, what we see here is, in my mind, the way I view things, a, a three-point message. This, today's message will conclude with the third point. Uh, and for Baptists, you've probably come, uh, became accustomed to how Baptist preachers preach. Well, it's not just Baptist preachers, but many preachers uh, throughout, when we look in the text, we, we see a outline form in the text. And, and we lay it out as uh, point one or point two or point three. Some preachers have several points. Some preachers have few points. But me, for those who are part of Reedy Branch, you, you know that I'm generally preaching either a two or three point message. I just pray that every message that's ever preached has got at least one point. <laughs> if it has one point, then, then it can be a gospel message. So to, when we look here at Peter in verses 14 through 21, in, in, second, uh, in the second chapter of Acts, we see Peter's message begins sharing his focus. He focuses on the truth of what has taken place. And, and we know... That this is following the the Holy Spirit of God coming down upon them to indwell them, and and many of the believers who were there they spoke in in different languages, and everyone understood in their own language. Uh, we notice also in those verses there was a testimony that Peter gives of God's word. So we see his first point; it's centered around his focus, what he wanted us to really see. And in, in, in the second point, what we shared last week in verses 22 through 28, we notice Peter's faith, his faith in the proven Jesus, that Jesus had been approved of God, and he shares his faith in Him. He shares his faith in the prophecy that was concerning Jesus that was given in the text. And here, when we look in today's passage, we want to see point three, which is the, the Peter's testimony. Uh, as we look in verses tw uh, 29 through verse 40, this concludes the message. Now, next time, we're going to look at the response of the message. But for today, we want to look at point three and the conclusion of Peter's message. As a matter of fact, if you, while you're turning there in chapter 2, as we look in verses 29 through 40, I, I read this and I thought it was fitting for this message. Uh, Jim Sambala, the pastor of Brooklyn Tabernacle, in his book, Fresh Faith, he tells an amazing story of one Sunday in his church. During the choir anthem that Sunday, Pastor Jim was 
so touched by the words that the young man who was featured as a soloist was singing that he jumped off script. He changed the program immediately. As soon as the song was finished, he asked the young man to come and share his testimony on how God had delivered him from the addiction of crack cocaine. This young man shared such a powerful testimony that Pastor Jim was moved to immediately, after his testimony was over, he was moved immediately to give a gospel invitation, not a message but a gospel invitation. And as he gave this invitation in that very moment, there was dozens of people who came up and gave their lives to Christ. Now, I imagine, I imagine there were some in the congregation who may have been disappointed that Pastor Jim jumped off script. I imagine there may have been some who were disappointed that he didn't follow the testimony up with a powerful message. But if you were to ask those who gave their lives to Christ, on that day, I imagine they would say that the message was, the message of the testimony was enough and nothing needed to be added to it. I imagine they would thank Pastor Jim for not prolonging the service so that they could come and give their lives to Christ. Truth be known, no one in that service should have been disappointed, but all should have joined in with these new converts and with the angels in heaven rejoicing and celebrating and praising the Lord. Oh, what a time to praise the Lord. Anytime someone comes to, to understand Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, we shouldn't be disappointed, but we should be rejoicing. Oh, as we think about that, the testimony of this young man's, it moved hearts and it moved hearts to respond. Well, today we want to look at Peter's testimony. And as we look at his testimony, we, we have to see what the word of God says. The Bible tells us in, in verse 29 in chapter 2 of the book of Acts, it says, Men and brethren, let me speak freely to you of the patriarch David, that he is both dead and buried, and his tomb is with us to this day. Therefore, being a prophet, knowing that God has sworn with an oath to him of the fruit of his body, according to the flesh, he would raise up the Christ to sit on his throne. He, foreseeing this, spoke concerning the resurrection of the Christ. That his soul may not be left in Hades, nor, nor did his flesh see corruption. This Jesus has raised up. This Jesus God has raised up of which we are all witnesses. Therefore being exalted to the right hand of God and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he poured out. This which you now see and hear. For David did not ascend into the heavens, but he says himself, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool. Therefore, let, the, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. Now, when they heard this, they were cut to the heart 
and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said to them, repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit for the promise is to you and to your children and to all who are far off as many as the Lord our God will call. And with many other words, he testified and exhorted them saying, be saved from this perverse generation. This is God's holy word. Pray with me. God, as we look today into the testimony of scripture, as we look today into the testimony for salvation, we pray, God, that you would pierce hearts, that you would open our minds then our ears to hear what thus saith the Lord, that you would, that you would speak through me, use me only as a vessel. And then God, you speak to all your people. God, we pray that, that as you speak, that we will not only hear from you, but we will respond according to your will and according to your working of our good. God, we pray right now. That you would be in the midst of everything said and done and whatever is accomplished. We'll be sure to give you praise, glory, and honor for it all. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Well, as we approach this text or this portion of the text, we find that Peter is adamant for his listeners to understand the truth of King David's prophecy. As a matter of fact... Peter becomes forceful saying to his listeners, let me speak freely to you. When he says this, it seems that he is suggesting that he is about to cut them to the heart. Now, understand, this is not Peter's intention. It's not his purpose to cut them to the heart. Instead, he wants them to... uh, To understand the truth. Peter had no desire to hurt them. He wanted to help them. He wanted them to understand that this portion of of scripture that we find he quoted in verses 26 through 28 or 25 through 28. When he quoted those scriptures from, from from Psalm 16. It was not concerning David himself. Even though David wrote this psalm, these words of David, they they were prophecy of the coming Messiah. So here what we find in this text is that Peter shares the testimony of scripture. Here Peter understood enough about Jewish history to know that David King David was in fact dead and buried. Now, many of you would say that, well, the Bible says that that Peter and these apostles, they were unlearned men. Well, they didn't have a formal education, but every Jewish boy in this time, they were learned. They learned to walk, write, and they learned to read, and and they were taught Jewish history from a very young age. So, So Peter would have an understanding that King David had been buried and was dead and had been buried. As a matter of fact, he would understood that uh, David was buried with his fathers in the city of David. First Kings 2 and 10 tells us so David rested with his fathers and was buried in the city of David. So if David would die and be buried, 
He couldn't have been referring to himself in this text. This reveals that David was a prophet of God. Not only was he king, not only was he a man after God's own heart, but he was also a prophet of God. He God had revealed to him that the Messiah, the anointed one, would come through his line. We hear in verse 30, we begin to see how, how God had sworn with an oath to him that of the fruit of his body, of the fruit of David's body, according to the flesh, that he, God, God would, would raise up the Christ to sit on his throne. The Messiah would, would, would be one of David's descendants. And he would sit upon David's throne. Here we see this in Psalm 132 in verse 11. It testifies to this, that the Lord has sworn in truth to David. He will not turn from it. I will set upon your throne the fruit of your body. In other words, David, you're going, you have a throne right now and your son, he may take that throne one day, but through your body, through the fruit of your loins, through your seed, the Messiah will come and he will sit upon the throne of David. So when we look here in these verses in 25 through 28, we understand that, that David is prophesying of Jesus Christ and his resurrection. It appears that, that God has shown David that he would raise up the Christ. Why would God raise up the Christ? Why? Well, verse 27 tells us that, that Christ was raised so his soul would not be left in hell. He was raised so that he would not see corruption. Oh, what well, I'm telling you this, this ought to satisfy. We ought to be so satisfied with this because what it's telling us is that Jesus is the first fruit of God's children to be raised up from the dead. Those of us who are in Christ, those of us who've been born again into the family of God, just as Jesus was raised from the dead, so will we rise also. 1 Corinthians 15, 20 and 23, it tells us, but now Christ is risen from the dead and has become the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since by man came death, by man also came the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ all shall be made alive. But each one in his own order, Christ the first fruits after those who are Christ at his coming. I want to tell you, I'm so excited to know that Jesus Christ did raise from the dead I'm so excited to know that he's alive and he's been exalted to stand at their father's right hand I'm so excited about this because it lets me know that, that it doesn't end with the grave that, that one day they may lay me in a grave but there's coming a day when the trump shall sound that the dead in Christ shall rise and we shall be with the Lord for all eternity oh and this ought to excite you as well just as Jesus was exalted, we will be exalted also. Just as Jesus escaped the corruption of the flesh and, and received the glorified body, we too will escape the corruption of this flesh and receive a glorified body. Here, here Peter is, is saying that this Jesus, God has raised him up. And we, his disciples, are eyewitnesses of his resurrection. Oh, at this point of Peter's life, you know, you might have been able to convince him of a lot of things. 
but you could not convince him that Jesus was still in the grave. You could not convince him that his body had been taken. You could not have convinced him that he had been deceived. Why? Because he had seen with his own eyes that the resurrected Christ. He had seen Christ ascend into heaven. He had experienced the receiving of the Holy Spirit and no one was able to take that away from him. Oh, I want to assure you, there are some things in this life that I can be convinced of. I'm sure there are those who have, who can and who will and who have deceived me at some point in my life. But I can also rest assure you today that I know my Redeemer lives. I heard, maybe not with an audible voice, but I heard within my heart when Jesus called me to follow him. When I responded, I experienced um, the Holy Spirit taking residence within my life. I know this because no longer did I want to live the way that I had always lived. No longer did I want to walk the way I'd always walked. No longer did I want to talk the way I'd always talked. I didn't want to do what I used to do because I'd been changed from the inside. Oh, something had changed dramatically. What was that? <laughs> what was that? There was a war going on. That that the flesh wanted to do, the spirit wanted me not to do it. When the flesh would say, go this way, the spirit would say, we're going a different way. <sighs> oh, yes. Folks, I've experienced for myself and I've witnessed that Jesus is alive and he's working in the lives of people. Oh, yes. He's alive because I know he's alive in me. I wouldn't be who I am. I wouldn't do what I do if he wasn't alive. Oh, I'm so glad he's alive today. Aren't you? You know, but Peter continues to share that Jesus hadn't just resurrected, but he was exalted. In other words, he, he was resurrected to be exalted. And that it was to be exalted to the right hand of God the Father. Jesus had taken his rightful position of honor, glory, and authority. He had been exalted. Peter quotes here. Peter quotes David again in, in, in Psalm 110. When we, when we look here in verse 34 and 35, he says, The Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool. Oh, this ought to excite us. It ought to excite us to know that the resurrected Jesus, now he has been exalted. And because he has been exalted, those who know him as Lord and Savior have received the gift of God. The Holy Spirit of God. You remember John and 7? Where he says, Jesus said, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come. But if I depart, I will send him to you. <laughs> yes. I want to remind us that this Jesus who was obedient to the father. For who for the obedience was nailed to the cross. This Jesus who we crucified was both Lord and Christ. And now he is resurrected from the grave. Now he has been exalted to the right hand of the father. And now he has sent his Holy Spirit, our helper, our comforter, our guide to live with us forever. To never leave us and to never forsake us. Oh, we ought to be rejoicing that he is by our father's right hand. Oh, and he's not just standing there looking pretty. He's making intercession for you and I. 
Oh yeah, I've said this many times that as Satan is coming to the throne of God, making accusations against you and I, there's our Lord and Savior standing at his right hand, making intercession for us. Oh God, he may be guilty, but his name's been recorded. Yeah, God, he, he, may have, he may have stumbled and fell, but the blood has been applied. Yes, he may, he may be wallering for a little while, but he's getting up because his name has been recorded in the Lamb's book of life. I want to tell you, we ought to be excited that Jesus rose and is exalted. Because now we have a Holy Spirit to remind us that we belong to God and he belongs to us. Oh, yes. Peter, he shared the testimony of Scripture. But he also, we find in verses 37 through verse 40, we find that Peter shares the testimony for salvation. Now, understand what I'm saying. Peter doesn't share his testimony of his salvation. But he shares a testimony for salvation. In other words, what it takes for you. To be saved. Listen to me unsaved. Listen to me you who are on defense. This is a testimony for salvation. You need to really get this. If you're not sure. If you don't know that you know that you know. That when you leave this world. Heaven is your home. I, I want you to pay close attention. The Bible. Tells us. In these verses. Peter is testifying to the listeners what they must do to be saved. In verse 37, we can see a cry of the people. Upon hearing Peter's testimony of Scripture, his listeners were cut to the heart. In, in other words, I, I said earlier that that wasn't Peter's intention. And, and I, trust me, it doesn't matter what the facial expression is on the pastor. I don't believe that's the pastor's intention. If it is, that shouldn't be a, a pastor's intention. The pastor's intention is to declare the truth of the word of God and let the word of God do what it's going to do. And sometimes it will cut us to the heart. Here, Peter cut his words, his truth. It cut the listeners to their heart. In other words, they were, they experienced a genuine conviction realizing that they indeed failed to recognize Jesus as the Christ they indeed failed to recognize him as being sent from God to be the promised Messiah they failed to recognize the testimony of scripture that Jesus is the only begotten of the father and Peter's listeners they sensed a, a deep sorrow they were broken over their part in, in crucifying the anointed one. In crucifying the Christ, our Lord. Oh, once you hear the testimony of scripture and you realize that you are a sinner. To sense a brokenness. That your sins contributed to the crucifying of our Lord and Savior. Is to experience a true, genuine conviction. Listen, I, I don't... I don't mean to be insensitive here, but I want you to know the truth. To be saved or to desire to be saved because you want to see mama or you want to see daddy or you want to see that spouse or you want to see a sibling, that is not conviction. 
Instead, being reunited with loved ones who have died as born-again Christians is a blessing from the Lord for those who will come to true conviction. True conviction is being broken. It's having a brokenness over our sin, desiring to be forgiven of our sin and to desiring to turn away from our sin and lead a life following after Christ. That's true conviction. Does this mean we won't be tempted? Oh, no. Does it mean that we won't fall short? Oh, no. But what it does mean is we're no longer defined by our sin we're no longer set out to engage in the sinfulness of this world. Listen, Peter goes a little further. Oh, isn't that enough, preacher? You would think that it would be, but Peter goes a little further. He calls not only for conviction to take place, but a commitment to take place. A commitment to follow after Jesus in obedience. Peter shares that once you've repented, of your sins. Once you've, once you've been convicted, you must repent of your sins. Be baptized in the name of Jesus. Remember, Jesus told his disciples in that great commission to go out and win souls for the kingdom of God and, and to baptize those in the name of the, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Here he's telling them, in the name of Jesus, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We, go, we follow in baptism. We trust Jesus Christ as our personal Savior. And then we receive the gift of God, his Holy Spirit. He comes to reside within us. Oh, many of you today can testify that to be assured of your salvation, you must experience a true conviction. Your heart must be broken to Christ. And many of you can testify that, that when this happened, you were at a crossroads. You were, you either rejected this conviction or you, and you pushed it away or you by faith surrendered to it and, and you repented of your sins and you followed after Jesus. Some of you could testify that when you repented of your sins and you committed to follow Jesus, that you felt the presence of God walking and talking with you, that you experienced him leading and guiding you. You may not feel his presence in every moment, in every hour of every day, but, but by faith and the testimony of scripture, you know that you've been saved. Oh, but Peter tells there's some good news from here. That this event, this promise of salvation is not only to those who were there, but it's also promised to their children and those who are afar off. And as many as the Lord our God will call. Whew. <laughs> I'm so glad that man can't keep me and my family from choosing to follow Christ. I'm so glad man couldn't keep you and your families from choosing to follow Christ. But in 2 Peter, Peter shares that the Lord, in 2 Peter 3 and 9, he shares the Lord is not slight concerning his promise. As some count slightness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. In other words, whosoever will and all. I'm so glad that I was part of the all. I was part of the who. Aren't you glad you were part of the all and the who? If we had not have been, we would not be saved today. But because... Of the grace 
the mercy and the long suffering of our Lord and Savior. Oh, we today, we who experience and acknowledge a true conviction over our sin, we can repent and in obedience follow after Christ. And we can know we've been forgiven of our sins and the Holy Spirit of God dwelling with us for all eternity. Oh, yes. Peter concludes this message. His testimony of salvation by calling for the people to be saved. For you who are listening, who has not chosen to follow after Jesus, I'm calling out to you. Be saved. Trusting the testimony of scripture and the testimony for salvation can change your life. In the introduction, I shared that Jim, Pastor Jim Sabala changed up the service and allowed a young man to, to share his testimony. And from that, from sharing his testimony, dozens came forth and gave their lives to Christ. But listen to what one father called back to the church later that week just to share to, the, to Pastor Jim. Later on in the week, a man called the church from Texas asking for sheet music to that song they sang on Sunday. He told his story. My family and I were just on a visit to New York for the weekend. We have a 19-year-old son who has totally hardened his heart to the things of the Lord. We brought him up to be a Christian, but he's drifted far away in the opposite direction. We've been so concerned about him that on this trip, we invited him to enjoy the city with us. But our real plan was to bring him on Sunday to your church. On Sunday morning, we were getting ready for church when we realized that we wouldn't be able to stay for the whole service. Or else we would miss our flight home. My son probably wasn't going to get to hear the message. But then early in the service, out of nowhere, Pastor Jim walked up to the stage and started to share the gospel. And suddenly my son was standing up with the others and heading for the altar. He broke down before the Lord calling out for God for forgiveness. And when he came back to his seat, he was a different person. Oh, God changed that entire meeting that afternoon or that morning for the sake of one 19-year-old boy. What is the Lord prompting in your heart? Are you experiencing a genuine conviction today? If so, hear the testimony of scripture. Hear the testimony for salvation. Jesus, the Lord and Savior, repent of your sins. Jesus is our Lord and Savior. Repent of your sins. Commit to follow him. And God will send his gift, the Holy Spirit. To reside within you. And he will never leave you. He will never forsake you. Will you? Will you today? Follow after him. 
Oh, if you're ready to fall out the hymn, pray with me, would you? Just bow your heads right where you're at and pray with me. God, we, I understand that Jesus is your son. You sent him to the world to forgive us of our sins. He died on an old rugged cross, a sinless man. But upon the cross, he took my sin. God, thank you for placing my sin on the cross. God, I repent of my sin. And I accept Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. Forgive me of all my sins. And lead me into living in obedience to you and your holy word. God, thank you. Thank you for saving me. Help me be bold and share my salvation experience with those who are lost. Thank you, God, for loving me. In Jesus' name we pray. Oh, if you prayed this prayer, you're experiencing a true, genuine conviction, and you meant these words from the bottom of your heart. Oh, you've done enough to be saved, but you must believe. You must believe that you've been forgiven, that God has washed you clean, and his spirit now resides in you. Oh, if that's you, if that is you today, how about letting us know? Oh, in the comment section on our YouTube or our Facebook page, wherever you're watching from. How about share that today I've been born again. Let us rejoice with you. Let us rejoice and praise God along with you and the angels in heaven. Oh, we, we pray that you continue to walk in obedience. And if you're part, if you're local, and you don't have a church that you're part of, oh, we would love for you to be part of our church. If you're far off, if you are, are in another city, we, we understand and we plead for you to become part of a local body of believers. And we pray God's blessings upon you and that local body. Church family, we love you. We miss you. And we're praying that soon and very soon things will be where we can be back together. Fellowshipping in each other's presence and worshiping our Lord together in each other's presence. But until then, I pray that God will bless each and every one of you. God, we thank you. We praise you. We lift you up for this day. And we pray, God, that you would bless according to your riches and glory, that you would move and minister as only you can in the hearts of each and every one. And while this song of invitation is given, God, we pray that you would move upon somebody's heart. Somebody who don't know you, move upon their heart to help them realize that they are under conviction and help them to choose to Walk in obedience to you. 
And God, we'll praise you for all that's accomplished. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you're here and you don't know Jesus, if you're watching and you don't know Jesus as they sing this closing song, why not consider Jesus? He loves you more than you could ever love yourself. Thank you.